0: Welcome to the Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider.
1: And I am Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. Today, uh, we are excited to have on our show uh, Nick Tomarello. Uh, Nick is the uh, founder of WeFunder, and WeFunder is one of the uh, companies that's uh, going to be uh, part of the launch day of the Title III crowdfunding for the, under the JOBS Act. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, so tell us. Uh, so it's May 11th today. Is that is that right? Yeah, uh, it's a few days to go. We're pretty excited. <laughs> so, so, so for those of us who don't, who don't like, uh, who don't know what we're talking about yet, it's May sixteenth, right? And this is the day that Title Three crowdfunding on the jobs act actually launches. Is that right?
2: That is correct. We've been waiting for four years, so it's uh, kind of nice to see it finally coming up very quickly.
1: <clears throat> That's amazing. So, has it been a ton of work since the final rules came out, or like, how did how's that work for you guys? Yeah, I
2: mean, it has been a ton of work. So, I mean, October they came out and it was like, you know, a thousand pages to read, which I had to read like, you know, 10 times to make sure I understood it. Uh, then we had to go register with FINRA as a funding portal, register with the SEC, uh, redo our banking agreements. And then um, kind of the cool part, though, was that, you know, we've been pretty immersed in Silicon Valley funding mostly high-tech startups for the past few years. Um and we're going to continue to fund startups but with this new law. Uh, now we can kind of help fund, like, the rest of the country. Uh, and so we went on this, like, train trip uh, across the entire country, you know, SF to Boston on the Amtrak, went to 12 cities, um, and met, like, hundreds of founders in all different kinds of industries, ranging from uh, farms to donut shops to manufacturing, uh, drone startups. Uh, and it was just, like, really cool, like, seeing how, like, businesses... And, like, non-Silicon Valley businesses actually, like, are struggling to raise capital. So, uh, I think so – uh, Let's yeah, take a
0: step back real quick. The, the WeFunder yeah. uh, site and the company is – so it's a mm-hmm. crowdfunding site and service, yeah. but it's but it's equity crowdfunding, crowdfunding, right? So it's it's different than, uh, like, okay. a Kickstarter uh, in a sense that people are actually raising money and giving away shares, right? Or some, some form of equity? Be,
2: yeah, it could be equity or it could be a loan. We do debt, too. Though I'd say probably about 85 percent or more will be uh, equity-based.
0: That's great. And the change in the law, because Joe Joe knows the the crowdfunding laws really well, and I'm sure you got you do too. So you you guys are ahead of me on that. Tell me about what the change in the law did. That is, is it a change basically that this is a, now a federal law, so that you can do some of the things that you were doing in California on a, on a wider scale? What does the law allow? Uh, I guess you know, give 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 us the thumbnail view.
2: Yeah, I mean the I mean the shortest version is that it's a new exemption, a federal exemption where companies can raise up to 1 million dollars a year from anybody. So, I mean like basically equity crowdfunding. Yeah, so you no, can say
0: and normally before that you'd have to file you'd have to have a securities law exemption and you could only raise from people that were accredited investors, so a smaller group of people. Is that is that accurate?
2: Yeah, most uh, startups have raised with Regulation D, where under some circumstances you can raise from like 35 unaccredited investors, but majority uh, all accredited. Um, Or there's been some companies that can raise within one state um, from anybody that's been generally a a fair amount of work. So this is an easy way to do one one filing with the SEC and be able to raise from anybody uh, across all 50 states up to $1 million per year.
1: And so, is this so, – oh, go ahead, Joe. Oh, so, so I was gonna um, go ahead, go ahead, Mike, because you're asking the, the basic questions, or I was I went right into the weeds. Go, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll start with the basic stuff because I know less about this than Joe does, and then once once we get the basics down, you know, Joe's Joe's really entrenched in this stuff, so he can ask you some of the uh, the more detailed mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so you've been doing this in California uh, so far, like so. This has been something that you're running that you've been doing for a while, and now it's expanding. What type of um, so, what do those financings t- tend to look like in California when you run them? Uh, you know, in a sense of, yeah, so is, it, is it lots of little contributions? Is it is it a few big folks that would otherwise be doing a more traditional um, uh, financing? You know, just running it through this instead.
2: What, what does it look so like? So, quick, quick background: We helped Congress pass this law four years ago, uh, but we haven't been able to use it. And instead of doing the state laws, we decided to use existing federal law uh, to basically do what I call rich person crowdfunding where wealthy accredited investors, um, around the country can contribute, you know, between like, you know, one and $25,000 into, um, special single purpose funds that we manage that then make investments into high tech startups, usually in Silicon Valley or in New York. Um, so we're using federal laws for wealthy investors for the past three years. Um, and now we're expanding to let anybody invest across so the that's country. A
0: big difference, big difference yeah, in, in your business. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so it sounds like one interesting thing is that you're so unlike a, I don't know, a Kickstarter or some kind of crowdfunding where, you know, a thousand people are contributing and then you end up with a thousand shareholders or, or um, you know, members in your LLC somehow um, taking up space on the cap table. It sounds like you kind of aggregate all that so that, you, so that the company that's raising the money gets, you know, one investor on the on the cap table and that's the fund?
2: Yep, so this will be getting in the weeds, so that's our current model um, uh, Congress accidentally outlawed the single purpose solution for um, uh, the crowdfunding change happening on May 16th, uh, Congress is in the process of fixing it hmm. uh, there's a bill in the house with some sense of support, uh, basically they outlawed uh, investment companies from using this new exemption because they didn't want hedge funds to do this and back in 2012, no one was really using single-purpose vehicles to uh, do what we're doing, so they didn't think of it. Uh, but now between AngelList and WeFunder and Funders Club, uh, this is kind of the way it's done for the accredited uh, crowdfunding market because um, it basically helps uh, – is a win-win for both the companies and for the investors who so get to have an advocate, a fund manager, uh, advocating for their interests during the follow-on financings. Uh, and so Congress uh, realizes this can help uh, – Protect investors, which is why they're going to fix it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So the um, so let's um, the I, I, Nick, it'd be fun to hear like um, like I know you were in the Rose Garden when the Jobs Act was signed, and it'd be fun to hear some of the stories from that from that time period.
2: Yeah, it was a, a really surreal. So uh, we started WeFunder with just a simple petition to Congress where instead of just having a signature, it was like you sign this petition and you would say how much money you would invest if this law was passed. And that number, which is really kind of a hypothetical number, was like you know, $4 million in a few hours, and that got like, a lot of press. And it was cool the next week, we were invited to go down to Washington, D.C., where we met the staffs of three senators, a congressman, the president's office. And it was like, for me, this surreal experience where you know, I've been mostly in tech startups my entire life. And now we're actually like lobbyists. But the cool part is they were actually like really listening to us. Uh, they didn't really understand how startups actually raised funding. They came at it more from a Wall Street perspective. Um and so in a couple of good ways we helped kind of like help them understand how this works for startups, help tweak the bill and help get some more support for it so they can get it wrapped up in the Jobs Act. Um and that was like, you know, four years
1: ago. Um, right, and then now, was that Hey, Nick, was that was that before the Senate <laughs> made Title Three worse, or was that was that that was that the it was early in the process when we were just looking at the House bill?
2: Uh, it was when it was stuck in the Senate. So, it oh, was, okay, okay. It was the House bill, and then there's like three different versions in the Senate. Uh, but it was before they uh, basically uh, coalesced around Senator Merkley's version of it, more or less. Right. Um, but we did help Senator Brown uh, advocate for a couple of things that did get into the final bill. I think the most impactful change we made uh, was that Congress, uh, at least Senator Merkley, uh, was originally, I believe, going to not allow the intermediary to take a financial interest in the mm-hmm. companies on their platform. Mm-hmm. But we were arguing uh, very strenuously that we think the best platforms would align their incentives with the investors like under we want to charge a very low transaction fee uh right now we're charging three percent because we actually want to uh preferably make our money through carried interest so we only make money if our investors do we're using just common sense uh, because if platforms are just incented to take seven percent off the cuff we'll have no quality filter to make sure they're funding actually legitimate companies
1: right so is that that's going to be your fee once you're once you're live. that's going to be the fee to raise money on on your site under title so, three
2: we're charging three uh, percent right now. We're not charging carried interest because Congress accidentally outlawed um, the SPVs. Uh, if Congress does
1: fix that, then we will decrease our fees and take more money in carried interest. Gotcha. Okay, so just I mean, because that's one thing that people have been kind of concerned about, like, hey, what are the what are the funding portal fees going to be, right? And the SEC had some guesses, and it's and it's you know proposed and. Uh, rules that it summarized kind of what it thought there might be, but what do you what like if you're going to raise a million bucks in a Title Three crowdfunding, what do you think the sort of market rate uh, fee is going to be?
2: Well, I'll just tell you what we do. Um, so you know, we spent four years kind of writing lots of software to automate everything because we were always knew that for like real crowdfunding, you would have to get the transaction fees low. Um, so uh, there's a few different categories of costs. First is the funding portal fee. I know we are charging 3%. Uh, I've heard rumors that people will charge 10%, which I think is absurd and just won't happen because uh, it's just the marketplace won't allow it. Um, We are charging $199 to draft a mostly complete Form C, which is the government filing that you need to basically file with the SEC to begin doing this. Um, Some of our competitors are charging up to $5,000 for that, um, just for the draft. Um, and then you're going to have to have your lawyer review the draft. So however much you want to pay your lawyer to do that will be an additional cost. But we tried to um, write some standard language that would let your lawyer just be able to tweak it for your particular company, but not have to reinvent the wheel.
1: Yeah. Hey, by the way, Nick, I'm not uh, – t- sorry to take you off path, but tell me how you think that process is going to go. So you guys will draft a a, a draft uh, crowdfunding form or a form mm-hmm. C, and then the company will take it to its lawyer and, and complete it and then file it with the SEC. Then the SEC has a period of time in which to review it, right, and comment on it, is that They don't review it. Um, so if a regulation A+, plus, which is a different thing, they review it,
2: uh, this is just you file and you're ready to go. So, wow,
1: that's um, great. That's that's great. Well, that's that's okay. Keep, please keep going with your fee your fee discussion. Sorry about taking it off that.
2: No, no. That, uh, okay, okay. So the fee is okay. the The biggest hurdle, well, honestly, the biggest hurdle, but the most annoying hurdle is that um, the SEC doesn't allow cash accounting, and most early stage startups they don't do gap. They don't need to, um, and so we need. We're basically hiring uh, accountants um, to help them convert their cash accounting to gap. Um, the other big hurdle is that if you raise more if you want to raise more than hundred thousand dollars, you need to have a, what's called a CPA review, an independent CPA review. Uh, the typical market price for that is around five thousand dollars, which uh, is for a lot of early stage companies, I think is a bit absurd. Um, and so we're working with some CPAs to do it for a flat fee of fifteen hundred dollars. Um, we'll see if that can continues because, you know, once they actually start doing the work, maybe they'll raise it or maybe they'll lower it, lower it. But we're definitely trying to decrease the cost by, um, sending them more companies. And, uh, for early stage companies, we don't think it should be that complicated. So anyway, to recap, the costs are the CPA review. The to weighs more than hundred thousand dollars, the portal fee, uh, whatever cost you want your lawyer to review the
1: draft form C. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, That's sorry. exciting. That's super exciting. Yeah. So when, so if a company wants to, you know, uh, inquire about engaging with you to do a crowdfunding on your site, how do they? What's the What's the first step for them to take, or the most reasonable first step for them to take?
2: Yeah. So the way we we want it to work is that anybody can basically use uh, almost a complete self-service platform. They can go on wefunder.com, um click on Raise Funding, and start doing it pretty much themselves, um, uh, and then press a button, and then we will generate the form C and send it to them Uh, we're finding in practice that um, the companies need a bit more hand-holding in the process Um, so right now we have about 50 companies in the pipeline um, and like yesterday I literally drafted uh, 15 form C's myself which was quite a bit of work (laughs) Um, but in order to generate this form C we need to collect some disclosures from them yeah, go ahead.
0: tell me tell me a little bit about what's driving folks to to take the this approach versus like a i guess a, a, a non-equity Kickstarter type type of a campaign so like so Kickstarter has advantages in the sense that you're running the Kickstarter campaign and uh, and the money that you get comes with no um, equity strings attached you have to ship product probably but but there's none of this um, you know having to deal with with investors or accounting or any of that, um, so so what's attracting people to the to the equity side of things? Is it because they think they can raise more money? Is it because they don't want to have the burden of having to ship a product? Um, is it is, what do you think is bringing people to the to the equity side of things um, rather than sticking with Kickstarter, um, which seems to be working to some extent for, for certain types of projects?
2: Yeah, Kickstarter is great. So we have a, we have a wide diversity of companies. So I'll start with the high level and then get more specific. Um, at the high level, um, Kickstarter is great for pre-selling your products to customers. Um, and a customer, you know, buys a product and it's then they go away. They're happy customers, hopefully. Uh, when you have an investor, it's a very different psychology. Like when you invest in the company, you are part of that story for the long term. Um, and so a lot of the companies we're working with actually want more people who really care about what they're doing, who think of themselves as owners, and who actually do want to help. And they're not going to help the same way like a venture capitalist would. They'll just help with like you know spreading the news about product launches, uh, maybe helping recruit an engineer, just more people who really care about what what you're doing. Uh, and that's for different categories of companies. Uh, one of uh, the stories we have launching on May sixteenth uh, is creating a bionic pancreas uh they've already raised five million dollars from a major pharmaceutical they've got 18 million dollars in donations over the last like you know 10 years um to help basically uh create this bionic pancreas that can help save the lives of kids with diabetes one and they're probably a couple of years away from market you know hopefully um but they want like all these people who have donated to be able to have like some part of the upside should Mm -hmm. like this succeed so they're like really excited to like open up this to like all their supporters so they can actually be like really involved in this company.
0: Do you think that um, the, yeah. the sort of uh, crowdfunding aspect of this will result in um, in companies raising money this way and maybe getting a higher valuation because the, 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 the equity investment is maybe partially looking for upside and partially looking to donate yeah. or, or to be involved? You know what I mean? Like so all those donors gave money yeah. with no expectations if you give them a small stake, is do you think companies will be able to raise more money with while well, giving away less of their company? Because there's a kind of hybrid approach between equity and also it's just sort of trying to see the the project succeed.
2: Um, I think it depends. I think for high tech startups, you'll generally um, it'll evolve to there's a lead investor who's a professional angel investor, and you're just following on in his terms. Mm. Uh, I do think it gets very powerful for like small businesses. Um, so this is a different subject, but imagine as a restaurant, um, uh, you're struggling for capital, um, uh, cause banks don't take any risk. You met restaurant owners or like you know, brick and mortar establishments that have like three profitable locations, but they can't still get a bank loan to go to the fourth location. Uh, and at the same time, they really can't support like high interest rate loans. Um, but anyway, imagine a deal where if you want to invest in a restaurant, you invest, you know, a thousand dollars a loan some like probably below market interest rate maybe it's two or three percent but you also immediately get a thousand dollars of free food when you visit that restaurant um and so by having these perks to go along with it i think especially for small businesses it will actually um you'll have below market terms yeah i think it seems like that
0: might be a a nice way to like to do some kind of a hybrid kickstarter slash equity thing where people you know some people are are buying Because they want to get shipped the product, and just as a little extra spiff, they're getting like, oh, by the way, if this company does go somewhere and get sold for a ton of money, you'll also get a little bit uh, of a payback at the end. Um, you know, yep. maybe maybe not the primary reason that they're doing it, but as a just extra way to kind of get them over the over the hump as to whether they want to whether they want to contribute.
2: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We we actually take a hybrid approach where you know you make your investment at a minimum of hundred dollars, but if you invest at a certain threshold, you get extra perks. So you invest $200, maybe you get a discount on the product. If you invest you know, $1,000, maybe they give it to you for free and you get a discount, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, good, uh, good example,
0: the- I had a, a client of mine that, that was interested. Uh, he had a, a friend that was opening up like a yoga studio and the question was you know, what kind of uh, structure did they want to set up? And in this case, like, there was a situation where they wanted to raise money from investors but then also give them some kind of a perk where they could... You know, get a certain a discount or free free classes for life or something like that. Um, I mean, it seems like there's that that model doesn't. It, it, it's a new new kind of a thing, I, I guess. Other than like a typical LLC, where you'd where you'd bake that into a member agreement, um, having having some other mechanism to do that seems like it'd be really useful.
2: Yeah, and it's also like goes along with the whole reason why they're doing this. Well, why a lot of companies are doing this because it's really like a marketing and branding thing. Like giving your customers uh, ownership and making them feel more involved in your company is a good thing for the company and giving them these perks, make them feel more involved, make them feel more a part of the experience. So like some favorite perks, we're going to fundraise for this immersive theater company that's basically making a 1920s speakeasy with like 40 actors. And there's some, they have some like really cool perks when you get to go get exclusive access to the tickets, actually be part of the show. It's like, Oh, just invest just for that. Yeah.
0: So like, so i (laughs) Out of curiosity, so I'm I'm working on like a subscription service that, that I've been building, um, and uh, and so I've thought about crowdfunding as an option, um, and I've thought about you know giving people free subscriptions as part of that. I guess my question is, let's say let's say I was I was raising money on your platform, and I said, well, I want to I want to engage my audience. We have fans that are interested in this thing, um, but we want them to kind of contribute up front to help pay for the development, and we want them to be you know invested in the in the thing. Um, so, let's say we do it and we say you get free free access to the subscription service for life uh, you get, uh, and, and you have to pay a certain amount of money to contribute and then you get, let's say you take a very small percentage of the company, like a, a couple percent, and you divide that up among the people that invest. What kind mm-hmm. of burden does that represent for the company going forward in terms of trying to manage that, that small group of investors? Do you have uh, What are the obligations to those folks? Do you have to, like you said, do, do regular accounting? Do you have to do reporting? Um, Joe, yep. may, Joe may be uh, well positioned to answer that too. But I'm kind of curious what are you what are you taking on when you decide to to mix equity into the crowdfunding um, uh, crowdfunding approach?
2: Yep, the the first hurdle are the um, the SEC mandated reporting requirements. So uh, once a year, you need to report to your investors with your financials. Um, uh, one of the good things that happened in the final rules was that originally these annual reports might have required an audit, which would be insanely expensive, uh, but there is are uh, financials certified by the CEO. So basically you need to release your financials once a year. That's the biggest um, thing you need to do, and, along with some other smaller things, but that's the biggest hurdle. Um, and then there's sometimes the mechanics of the actual uh, deal itself, which we're in the process of making easier. Uh, so for loans right now, we're getting sent up to handle the disbursements. So if you have, you know, 700 investors who loans you money, you will give us one check and we will uh, figure out how to actually split it all up to who actually invested. So we're just doing that right now because we have the first company who asked for it. Um, uh, another potential issue which the SPV would solve uh, is if you, have a K- if you have an LLC and you want to have equity holders, you need to issue K-1s. Um, Which you know, if you want to issue five hundred K ones, can get relatively expensive because most of the uh, market uh, people, most of the companies out there that do this, uh, vary their pricing based on shareholders. Uh, And so right now we're digging the weeds of how can we make this absurdly cheap. We're trying to figure out how we actually can get access to file these K ones. I think it's only like five companies that can submit these to to the um, IRS right now. We're trying to figure out how to make that also cheaper.
1: Okay, so, Nick, on uh, on May 16th. Um, so, tell us, like, what you expect to see from, from other people in the in the arena. I really have no
2: idea. Uh, I've heard rumors Indiegogo might be doing this in day one, though I haven't seen their filing as a funding portal. Um, uh, right now, all that's public is that there's five uh, funding portals that have uh, applied to the SEC, of which I think only two have been approved, of which we're one. Um, there's a company called Seed Invest that will be doing this. Um, some company called Nexseed. Uh, but we don't know who's like going to be doing what until it happens. I'm actually pretty excited, I actually want a really good competitor. So I hope one of them does well.
1: So on May 16th like you are you going to have companies that are
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we're really busy this week.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're really, like the most stressful time. This is like oh, yeah. a, a tax CPA on April 12th. This is like the equivalent this is what we're doing to you having you on our podcast I, 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 at this moment.
2: Yep, I had 3 hours <laughs> sleep last night. I was I was doing all these drafts, these form C's until like, you know, 4 a.m. And then I got up like around 7 and here I am.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Nick, Nick, like we're really excited for you because I think, uh, well, it's great to hear the enthusiasm in your voice because I, I, you know, there's been so much negative talk in the in the press and on the blogs about how this is not going to work and, and companies aren't going to do this because it's going to be too expensive and it's going to be too burdensome and blah, blah, blah. But it sounds, I mean, uh, uh, your enthusiasm is infectious. And I take it you are, you are not a, uh, you're not dissuaded at all by the by what's what has to be done to get these offerings done. You feel like these are doable, and you're going to have a lot of companies doing them.
2: Well, I guess what I've learned is that if you look at things at a superficial level, I mean, there are problems with crowdfunding, and Congress needs to fix a couple of them. So it's not perfect, but uh, when you actually try to think of solutions, usually you can figure out how to solve problems. And we solved enough problems to make this work for enough companies where we have a business, and I'm confident that Congress will further improve the laws so that eventually every kind of business will want to do this. So I'm feeling pretty confident. The SEC, so, 40,
1: yeah. Oh, so so sorry. So so just just back it up a little bit more. Um, if I'm out there thinking about how do I raise money for my for a company for this company of mine, uh, I mean one way to one way that I'd probably I mean. Maybe a lot of companies just con- should consider, even if it, it just doesn't all, just consider all alternatives. Just go through your site. It sounds like getting through your site is going to be really super simple. Hit a button, fill out a form, you've started the process. I take it you pay something before you guys start looking at it? Is that when the fee is charged or is it charged later in the process? Or
2: uh, So uh, people can go to our our platform and start filling out a fundraising profile for themselves, like a, basically an angelist profile with some pictures and videos and whatnot. Um, when they are ready to, uh, when they want to the draft Form C, uh-huh. they go in and fill in some of their disclosures that require They have to upload their financial statements. They have to uh, disclose who has more than 20% voting power, who their directors and officers are, and a couple other minor things. And then they pay $199 fee, and then we go and figure out how to um, generate the Form C. And then we'll follow up with them and ask more questions if they, didn't, if they weren't comprehensive enough in their disclosures.
1: So it's really Sorry. it's really inexpensive for a company to at least you know see how this feels. I mean, for 199 bucks you can get started and you can kind of start to see how it's going to feel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the, then your fee and then frankly to go through the whole process sounds like I mean, you're going to have you're going to have to pay a lawyer at some level to to work on the thing. You're going to have to have an accountant, you know, work on your on your gap to, or your cash to gap statements. Yep. And they're going to pay a 3% Fee to you guys mm-hmm. uh, of the of the amounts raised, and that's going to be independent of the size of the round. Like if it's 100, 300, 500, it's all the same three percent, flat across the board. Yep. Try to make it
2: simple. I mean, from a high level, we know that when we're working with high quality companies, the founders are generally really, really busy in their company, growing their business, and don't have much time to do much, you know, manual grunt work. And so we, we try to take as much as humanly possible off their plate. Um, it still requires some work. They still gotta give us our cap table with like voting shares calculated correctly. But we try to do everything we possibly can to make it easier for them. Uh, right. We think that's how we would win because good companies don't have time. <laughs>
1: right. So say you raise, say say want to raise a million bucks. I mean, it sounds like your sort of uh, net proceeds is going to be something. I mean, three percent fee for the for you. That's thirty. You know, accounting fees oh, five. Fine. You know, what do you think the net's going to be for a million dollar fundraiser for a company?
2: We also charge uh, a couple percent from the investor side, capped. So uh, larger investors don't pay as much. Um, So I'm going to guess our average fee is probably going to be closer to four percent. Okay. And uh, we will probably discount that back to three percent once this uh, single-purpose vehicle thing gets passed through Congress. Uh, So yeah, like forty grand, I would imagine it would be. Uh, We're set up to like work through scale. So we want to drive more and more volume
1: yeah so it sounds like i mean because you typically like i was i'm just trying to think through like your um i mean it sounds like your net proceeds on a million dollar transaction you know might be as much as you know 950 or 960 maybe i, I don't know i'm just i'm trying to figure it out myself because it'll oh, be an that, S-
2: uh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. it'll be in 970 yeah we only charge yeah, well, uh, no, 970 that, minus that, you're probably five grand in fees you're gonna pay to your lawyer and accountant I would yeah guess.
1: so you got you got five you got lawyer fees the county fees you have an escrow fee or is that part of your service no, this part we provide all that. Um, okay. Yeah. So okay, it's, so, here, so it's reasonable to expect your net proceeds from this thing could be, you know, 9 it, nine. Could be around nine fifty, nine sixty. I, I mean, who knows? It'll be fun to see. because I mean, actual net proceeds amounts, I'm sure, uh, are going to vary based on the company, how much kind of corporate cleanup it maybe needs, uh, things like that. It I imagine-
2: It also depends on if they're using a custom security. Uh, so we we, ha- we have a bunch of template securities that we think are good for crowdfunding. We made a, a custom version of a safe, uh, for instance, and a custom uh, loan agreement that can be modified. Uh, and they can just possibly just use our agreements out of the box. Or they can send them to their lawyer and have their lawyer tweak them. Uh, the, the cost will largely depend on how much they want their lawyer to customize something for their particular case versus how much right. they want it to just go with the vanilla version.
1: Yeah, well, interesting, interesting and fun times. I mean, these are, I mean, it's just about as exciting as you get, right? Do you feel like you're going to be like, you're going to be there at the at the birth of something very significant on Monday?
2: Yeah, and for us, like it's been a four year battle to get here. Like I've been doing what I call rich person crowdfunding for like almost four years just to get to this point. Like this is what I wanted to do. This is why we founded the company. And so yeah, for us, it's like super exciting because like May 16th is why we created the company four May years 16th.
1: ago. So, so on May 16th, any any person in America, accredited not accredited, can hop onto your platform and invest some amount of money in some company they think is cool. Yep, as low as hundred dollars. Amazing, amazing and exciting. Hey, so so uh, Mike, what are your parting thoughts on this? Yeah, it sounds really
0: exciting. I'm looking forward to to taking a look and seeing you know what companies are up on the site and uh, and available to to uh, invest in. It sounds like I mean I feel like Kickstarter in general. Has got a lot of momentum, but it, it eventually people are going to start to feel a bit of fatigue in terms of investing in things without any real upside. Uh, eventually, they're going to, you know, it'll it'll probably work for some things, but you know, these Kickstarter campaigns occasionally fail. Uh, sometimes they don't ship. Sometimes the products don't live up to expectations. And, and as people stop being as excited about the opportunity to pre-purchase something, it seems like this type of investment could could fill that gap and and provide the extra incentive that people need to, to kind of pony up. Um, so sounds, yeah. sounds really interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it works out.
2: Yeah, it's also interesting that with Kickstarter, like I think it'll always be, you know, rather big and great for like, you know, sexy hardware. Uh, but with like, you know, equity-based crowdfunding, you can do like things that aren't sexy hardware. Like one of my favorite stories, I'm running out of time, I'll try to explain it shortly. Uh, there's this like really charismatic guy in the South Side of Chicago. He's got like five MIT degrees and he basically wants to take this impoverished uh, neighborhood that you know, over the last 50 years, lots of urban decay, and revitalize it, to be back the way it was by basically turning it's like a little Italy for like African American cuisine, and like you can't really do that on like Indiegogo or Kickstarter. But he has a, a passionate community who want to give him loans and to get these perks, actually visit these restaurants to get a discount. So it's like it's, it's much more flexible, hmm. which I would say is benefit.
1: That's interesting yeah that's yeah. super exciting I it is because Mike and I have been talking for a while on the podcast actually about we've talked a lot about Kickstarter and and then some of the blending of different types of uh, crowdfunding offerings and I think what what you know it's actually this morning's conversation has been helpful for me because i I didn't realize perks were going to be such a big part of the deal Nick
2: yeah I, I think for small businesses especially it's going to be crucial <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So it becomes, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm I'm super excited. I will be on your. I will be on your site. So what time of the day does it open? What is it six? You know, as it like what time can you, <laughs> can
2: so you do this thing. thing? We're not allowed to file these form C's with the SEC until three a.m. Uh, okay, Pacific time on Monday. Okay, okay. Basically, the SEC has office hours on their website. Their website doesn't work in the weekends. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
2: we'll be yeah. up at 6 a.m. Eastern, East, East, Eastern time to do start this.
1: Wow. Wow. So, wow. so if, you're, if you're interested on Monday morning, you should just pop open WeFunder.com yep. and see how it looks. It's going to be exciting.
0: Exactly. Right. Well, thanks yeah. for being on. This has been really, really great. We'll have to check in with you later and see how things went.
2: Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Great.
0: All right. And thanks for everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see you all next week.